When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. All right. Well, you are hopefully going to enjoy listening to another episode of Awesome Etiquette, which is very proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Dan, what a freaking week we've had. I'm just going to say it. Pretty unbelievable. I'm like, I would like to use my non-magic words, but I don't want to do that to our podcast. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I mean, this is our, first of all, just so that you all know, this is our third attempt to record this week. Usually it's Tuesday mornings. Usually, yeah, usually we record on Tuesday mornings and we got blasted with an a snowy ice. It started out really icy and then turned into a snowstorm, which has given us the heaviest snowfall we've like ever had, not in terms of inches, but the weight of the snow itself. Like branches mm-hmm. are coming down. Telephone poles are coming down. 23,000 people out of power still. One of them sitting at this and mic. <laughs> Dan just went and bought his generator, which mm-hmm. he's like so geeked out on. And oh. And the power's still out at home. The power's still out at your house. Like, the roads are still a mess in tons of places. I haven't even shoveled. Like, I'm that person who's like, meh, my Jeep can get through it. I'm all right. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, it's just nutty. So it started Monday night. Usually we record this podcast on Tuesday Tuesday. mornings. It's now Friday afternoon. Yeah. (laughs) Three tries later. Third time's a charm. We're going to get this done. We're going to make it happen. (laughs) I know. It's just, it's been an insane week. And we're so glad that you can all be with us. We are so glad that you can be here with us. And in, in the midst of this insanity, you know, this is the kind of stuff that causes the level of stress that often, I mean, first of all, just the normal holiday season is stressful enough for most people mm-hmm. that their etiquette starts to slip. Our, our patience gets shorter. We start to feel like we're doing so much for other people that mm-hmm. we want. We deserve something. Arr, 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 me, me, me. You know, and you're right. You do. But then you add like a week like this and it's just, I don't even know where to begin, man. Like, I'm surprised I have not gone bonkers, like running through the streets, screaming like a mad woman. And we want to be our best for the people around us. It's I the know, time right? of year when you're supposed to be in a good mood and thinking about <laughs> yeah, other people no, exactly. and doing nice things for them. There's and... enough crud going on daily in life. The holidays are supposed to pick you up. Like, Oh, and we're going to add. 15 inches, maybe two feet up where I live, of yeah. the heaviest snow we've seen in a hundred years. Snow. Heavy, like we it's are heavier talking than rocks. Huge. If you were to shovel rocks, it would be lighter than huge shoveling power the snow. outages. I pulled my neck and my back shoveling. We got one of those awesome like, new shovels that's shaped like an S that's supposed to be a back saving shovel. I it's amazing. Tried it. They really work. Well, if you have me in our cousin Christmas draw, you can give me that gift because I need it. Noted. Noted. <laughs> maybe tell GP. I think he's the one that has me yes we have a cousin named jeep um it just it's it has been a really crazy week and i am i'm 
glad that we're sitting here laughing about it yes. with you all right now because I'll say the podcast is my favorite part of the week. So to finally be here and end our week on this, you know, it's a nice way to close this one thing. out. Yes. Absolutely, and it's and it's a special episode today. <laughs> it is a special episode. Also, wait, I want to give a shout out. We had a listener uh, write in and say that they love the podcast so much because they listen to it on their runs. So ah. to our runner out there, <laughs> keep going, man. Charge. I'm so psyched. I wish I was out there on a run too, but we we love it when you tell us what you're up to when you're listening to our podcast Um, and we will definitely give you a shout out if if, uh, you write in and let us know. So finish strong. Take heart. (laughs) Finish strong. (laughs) We're with you. Take heart. And here come your questions. (laughs) You're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave and what makes this episode so gosh darn special is that we are doing an all-questions episode. We have decided to get through as many questions as we possibly can with you. You've been sending more questions than ever before, and we want to thank you for that. It's so much fun to to hear what our audience is thinking and to see that inbox just filling up. So we're going to do our best to, to clear through that inbox of questions as much as possible. And without further ado, Lizzie, take us away. All right. So Miss Anonymous writes that one of my friends has an annoying habit. She makes plans without a plan. When she wants to organize a gathering, she'll send an email to a dozen friends asking folks if they'll be around on X date or if she should reschedule the event. With each person or couple giving their feedback, reply all style, the email thread grows to 15 to 20 messages. By the end, I'm not even sure if the event's happening or even where or when it's happening. There's almost never any follow-through or confirmation, and I'm then left to scramble at the very last minute when it's finally clear that the plans are a go. We're all in our 30s, and she's pretty much the only person I know who operates this way. This friend runs a do-it-yourself business, so she's never experienced an environment where certain expectations are held by supervisors, coworkers, or clients. I don't want to stop hanging out with her, but I'm tired of having to make last-minute adjustments to my schedule to accommodate a lack of planning and follow-through by the organizer. My question for you is, am I being too hard on her? How should I bring this up, if at all? Well, I'd start by saying your your question is not uncommon, (laughs) and it's not unfamiliar to us at the Emily Post Institute. We hear about this all the time. When a host fails to invite properly, it definitely creates some questions or some problems for guests. And this particular style of organizing an event where it's done by community can be really frustrating to, to people who are... Um, frankly, we're a little shorter on time and who are looking for specifics so they can decide how they're going to schedule themselves. So I think the best thing for you to do in this situation is to be specific and direct with her. Her style may not change. You might not get around that. But what you can do is either call her or um, get in touch with her to say, hey, Sarah, I'm looking forward to the party, but I want details since the message chain was getting so long, it became hard to see the important info. That way, let her and her messy chain, you know, of emails just do what it's going to do. But at least, you know, you can reach out directly to her, find out the details that you need to know in advance, not the morning of, and you'll be all set and you can at least operate with her this way. It's not going to do you a whole lot of good to tell her how inconvenient Mm -hmm. this 
style of organizing is. To nurture a grievance about that is just not going to feel good for you personally. I think that's great advice. And I would add another little nugget of advice for wannabe hosts or potential hosts out there. Take a lesson from this and really do your inviting clearly. Um, If you are going to open up to committee, send a final email that's very clear that states the who, what, where, when, so that people know what's expected. And send it with enough time for them to make the plans. (laughs) We hope that that helps and good luck and have fun at the party. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our next question is a question that comes up repeatedly. Our listener asks, I've been seeing the same hairdresser for almost 10 years, and we've grown close. She's been cutting my hair in her home for several years after closing her salon. We share the details of our lives with each other, keep up on Facebook, and she's just generally one of my favorite people. We usually prolong the time after my haircuts, just talking talking and chatting up. At the same time, we've never hung out outside of the context of that service-based relationship. The problem is that as much as I love her, I don't love my haircuts, and I would like to go to a different stylist, but I don't want to offend her or cut her out of my life. She she took some time off recently to have a baby, and I was able to see how much better my hair could be with a different stylist. But now she's ready to work again and reaching out to make my next appointment. The socially awkward part of me likes using the transactional part of the relationship as a pretext to hang out with her. Telling her that I want to hang out sans haircut feels presumptuous, and I don't want to offend her by suggesting that I'm not happy with how she does my hair. Should I just suck it up and continue to have her cut my hair in order to maintain the relationship? Or is there a positive and not awkward way to start seeing a different stylist without offending her and cutting her out of my life? This is such a tough one. And and for women and men out there who, who are dedicated to their stylist, it feels like cheating or like a divorce if you've decided to go in a different direction. So here's the thing, though. Stylists are really used to this. 
and that no matter how much they like you, they really do understand that that is different from you liking your hair. And they definitely, my stylist, I love it because she kind of laughs when she says it. She's like, well, I encourage them to go elsewhere, but they always come back. And I kind of love that. Like, I like that. I like that she's got that attitude about it. But it's true. People do. It's okay to go try somebody else. And clearly you had to go try someone else when she was on maternity leave. It's okay for you to, A, ask her if she wouldn't mind cutting your hair in the style that this new stylist has has cut your hair and give her the opportunity to do it if you'd like that. If not, you can say, you know, Joan, I've actually really enjoyed getting my hair cut over at ABC Salon, but I would love to get together with you for coffee. Like, could I take Mm -hmm. you out for a coffee? And that way you can nurture this friendship that you have with her, but take it away from the salon since that's not what you want to be engaging with her in anymore. I really like the honest and direct approach there. I think that's great advice. I would also say just go ahead and think for yourself about um, how you would feel if the role was reversed. If your hairstylist moved on to a different profession, happened to me, the the woman that Did helped me really? when I first started working at Emily Post and I was getting regular haircuts for the first time in many years, um, is now a nurse. And she'd finished her nursing program. She transitioned careers. It didn't hurt my feelings that she had made a new business decision. And I don't think that stylists are going to feel offended when you make a business decision. Exactly. So have confidence. You have a couple of options here. Again, you can either ask her to cut your hair in this new style, or you can simply let her know that you're happy at another salon now, but you'd love to maintain the friendship. And hopefully that'll work out. And I'm sure you look smashing. And now we have a a pool cleaner with quite a difficult problem. She's feeling trapped. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I love your show. Can you please tell me a nice, polite way to have a conversation? Here's my situation, and it can happen in a couple of ways, but it's always the same. I have a service-based business where I visit customers' houses on a weekly basis, um, cleaning swimming pools, and I have a very full load, 20 customers a day, four days a week. Uh, For those of you that have never cleaned a pool, that's a lot. (laughs) Uh, Her first situation is, my customer is waiting for me and just wants to talk about anything. It's never job-related, you know, it's not related to the reason that I'm there, but a lot of the times I can still work and talk, but it is distracting. I feel like my work work suffers. People will even block my way, making me double back to complete my work. I really hate this. When I do try to leave a customer, a customer will follow me to the door or even to my truck. I try to say I have to go, but they just keep talking and not noticing the social cues. I don't participate in these conversations. So meaning she's not like sharing her own side of something Mm -hmm. in detail. She listens to them. She only answers with the least needed amount of words. And so that's that's situation number one. The second situation is the same as the first, but as I go to leave, my customer will drop a bomb. Like, my daughter was just diagnosed with brain cancer and has two weeks to live. First off, I've never met the daughter and even knew that they had kids. What do you say to this? I can't say, hey, hope everything works out. I got to go. These are nice people who I'm fond of, but these people are not my friends. I don't even know why they are telling me this. It stresses me out. I feel trapped. I want to be kind. I would never want to hurt anyone's feelings. And on top of this, I'm an introvert. Like, I hate small talk. I'm there to do a job. I don't care that you didn't poop yesterday. You would be surprised what people will actually tell you. People also tell me the same thing. 
over and over. I always respond differently because I would never want someone to realize that they are repeating themselves and be embarrassed. I want to scream. Once I'm done, I really have to leave. I am also a very private person, and I make a point of not sharing personal things unless it is necessary. I work. Ten-hour days. When this happens, it affects my whole day. It means I get home in the dark. On Mister Rogers' neighborhood, when Mister McFeely, the mailman, came, <laughs> he always made a quick exit, saying he had to deliver the mail. What can I say? I have worked it in that I'm really busy. I've even faked a phone call, but you just can't do that every time, and it's always the same customers. Most people don't do any of this, but when it does happen, it can be devastating to me. Please, please, what can I do? Sincerely, trapped. Oh, trapped! Wow, that's a lot. That's there's a lot going on here. Do you do you ever feel like you're that person who has the stamp on your forehead that says "talk to me" or Please "approach me"? You know what I mean? With me. Yeah, this poor person. Okay, so what do you think, Dan? Well, first of all, she's probably a very sympathetic person, a very good listener, and um, it, it can be hard to fight that natural tendency in yourself because it is such a, a genuine quality in people that that they're good receivers of information. Um, I would just say I really sympathize. I clean pools. One of my early jobs was cleaning pools, and I understand how important timeliness is in that job. You're oftentimes paid by the account, and how many accounts you can fit in a day really determines whether or not you can make a living, whether the job's worth doing or not. And this is a professional problem. This is a problem about how you manage relationships that affect your work. So I, there's a real balance going on here, where you're trying to balance maintaining good relationships and still doing the job that you're hired to do well. And it's not like it's a coworker who's talking her ear off. It's her client. These are clients. So if she offends them, she could lose the business. So what do you think she should do? I think she's smart to proceed with care, and she's、yeah. already doing many of the things we we would suggest. Totally.、And、it's what makes this an interesting question to me.、Um, I, I think it might be time to be more direct. This is really affecting the bottom line. It's clearly getting to a point where it's becoming a, a real difficulty. I'm going to suggest some specific language here. You might approach your client and say, you know, in order to finish my day's work, I'm going to need to stop chatting and catching up with you while I'm here to clean the pool. I found that with the number of clients who are home when I clean, the conversation winds up taking me away from the good job that I'm here to do. I hope you don't take offense, but I'm going to need to focus on just cleaning while I'm here. If you don't think that you're going to be able to deliver that kind of message clearly and without giving offense, or- and gently, you know, you you want that to say,、um, I wish I could, I really wish I could spend the time talking to you, but that's not what I'm here to do, and so I have to get through my work. I love the tone in your、but、voice, like that that、yep. soft, you know, I I do, but I can't. And I hope you don't take offense. I, I'm really just trying to trying to stay focused so I can get my work done on time. You could include this in an email message to people if you really don't think that you're going to be able to say it in person, face to face. And I, I would probably suggest not sending a blast email to all of your clients, but、mm-hmm. I would send this specifically and personally to a few clients. That way, it's not like it's a company wide problem, and、mm-hmm. and it gets kind of looked at that way. Instead, it's a I just want to let you know that I love our chats, but I'm not going to be able to continue them while I'm working here. And and as You know, it can be difficult to communicate emotional content in writing. It can be interpreted、right. a lot of different ways. So, personalizing that message, maybe even handwriting it, if 
an Could email doesn't feel like the right delivery vehicle. Yeah. That, th- those are all options. There are a couple specific questions you ask here also. One about when someone shares really bad news with you. Oh, my gosh. What can you say? I know, right? And there are some, some real standard answers that are going to help. You can always say, my condolences, you have my sympathy. Yep. And that's you that's an easy sympathy. way to, to, to offer a reply that's that's not specific, but is still caring and appropriate. Um, I, I also really like the way you bring up uh, Mr. McFeely, the mailman on <laughs> everyone's favorite Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Who's just, you know, I off to deliver the mail. You could get yourself a little signature closing line <laughs> onto my next pool or or something to that effect that really reminds people that that, that you're off to, to do your next job. It also is. And I, I understand that that this might not be your comfort zone, but it is OK to refocus someone and let them know, hey, I mean, don't say hey, but (laughs) (laughs) but when they're still going and you're at the truck and you're trying to really leave, it's when you really do have to cut in and say, Jane, I would love to pick this up another time. But right now, I absolutely have to leave and then simply get in your car and go. It I've seen I've seen adults in my life, adults, but, you know, like parents and that sort of thing do that at times. And sometimes it's just a necessity. So feel free to actually exercise and use that one. And again, the more that you have that caring tone when you say it, the more it will be understood that you're not trying to be rude. It's just you do have things you have to get done. You're not aggrieved. You're a person of business. Exactly. Good luck, Trapped. We hope that you get freed soon. And I also hope you don't have too many pools with trees. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next listener writes, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Today, I met with a couple of friends and it came up in conversation how old they are. I was really surprised to find out that one of them is 40, as she looks my age, 31. I didn't say anything at the time because I didn't want to offend the other friend who was 44. Later on, I was texting friend one and really wanted to say something like, by the way, you look 31, but I felt slightly weird about it. It was supposed to be a compliment, but I wasn't sure if she'd be offended, so I didn't say it. Would it have been okay? <laughs> I I don't think it would have been bad at all. I don't think it would have been offensive to her in any way. I think you were really smart to not say anything in front of your other friend who you do think looks 44. Um, but I think that I think it would be okay to say it to her at a at a later point in time. Just be like, you know. I was thinking the other day and remember that you told me you're 41 and I was so surprised because I really thought you were 31. Like I had no idea we were 10 years apart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look fantastic, but you also don't want to come across sounding like you're assuming that at 41, you're not going to look great. <laughs> I know. Exactly. So is looking 44 not good? <laughs> Clearly not. You're, 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 not to a 31 year old. <laughs> Our next listener writes... I live in London and travel on the tube all the time. I'm constantly having battles with men, usually men, sometimes women, over the armrest. I think everyone should keep their arms inside the armrest so that no one's arm brushes up or pushes against anybody else. But some people take over the armrest with their elbow, and it really annoys me. When it happens... 
I often try to move my arm around in a way that knocks against them just a tiny bit so that they get the hint and move their arms in towards them. Am I justified in doing this or am I just worse than them? Ah, the old armrest question. This one is definitely a battleground. It is. And it's one that, boy, there's so many angles and approaches Mm -hmm. to this question. And I would say I sympathize. I actually spoke to someone for the first time recently on a flight about an armrest offense. I mentioned it right off the bat because I just wanted to get clear of the territory. In that particular case that I'm talking about, the arm had drifted over the armrest, over the center line of the armrest was actually in my seat. And I found myself. Like poking into your rib? Yep. Inside my side of the armrest. So I just said right off early in the flight, oh, pardon me, excuse me, you know, you're you're, you're here in my seat. And (laughs) I I watched, at first there was just a moment of, Defensive. And then I was like, oh, no, wait a minute. My arm's actually sitting in this other person's seat. And it was recovered. A thought that I sometimes have is that the armrest belongs to the person in the middle on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) That if you don't have an edge to retreat to that maybe maybe the people on the ends defer to that armrest a little bit or, or defer that armrest the middle and... ones the shared ones I always find that I, I do not have armrest problems people talk about having armrest problems I've never had an armrest problem because I I tuck my elbow way into the back of the armrest and then I'm resting the other person seems to have enough room to put their elbow on so ah, we share it you share it front and, and back it's, no, we share it front and back and it has never been a problem for Brilliant. me now that might be because I always take the back first so I'm not having to like <laughs> <laughs> my arms out forward. But um, that's always been my solution, but it's worked. But I don't think what you're doing is okay. I don't think that, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I get the subtle knock that you're that mm-hmm. you're doing. Um, and, and that I've, I'm sure I've used it at some point as well. You don't want to say anything to someone. So you just kind of bump and move so that they can see that for you to move even an inch requires them to hit you or you to hit them. Sorry. And mm-hmm. it does. It does. It works. It absolutely does work. But I would say more so. So that armrest, you know, you aren't the one who gets to decide who gets to use it and who doesn't. And these people, they they are allowed to put their arms up there. If it's crossing over into your territory, I think you can do exactly what Dan did. You could say, I'm sorry, would you mind just moving your arm back a little bit? Other than that, I really don't think you can say much or do much other than keep your own elbows in because it's what you prefer. And there's, there's not a definitive rule. Something else that occurs to me is we're not all the same size. No, we <laughs> <And> aren't. <laughs> sometimes one person just doesn't fit in the seat the same way the person next to them does. And it just makes more sense, even if it's not fair and when that, you're that on, person gets that armrest. Keep in mind, too, that she's traveling on the tube all the time. She's not traveling in an airline seat that she is required to sit in. Mm -hmm. So even though it may be very crowded on some of your trips and you might not have an option of moving, if you do have an option of moving, by all means, get up, go sit somewhere else so that you're more comfortable and have a little more space to yourself. We hope that that helps your morning commute and that it makes it just a little bit easier. Our next question deals with when you are invited to a charity dinner. Hmm. Actually, it's a charity tea. I've been invited to attend a ladies' tea at my friend's church. My friend has purchased a table with eight seats to support her church. What is proper? Do I offer to pay for my seat? Or should I just graciously accept the invite? And furthermore, my friend will be placing a token gift at each place setting. Do I take a hostess gift to her? Furthermore, my friend will be placing a token gift at each place setting. Do I take a hostess gift for her? Help! Sincerely, Debbie. Hi, Debbie. You don't need to worry about this too, too much. 
Um, you've been invited, so you don't need to worry about offering to pay. I'm sure that your host would appreciate it if you participated in any particular uh, drawings or fundraisers that were going on at the church or maybe offered to help the same charity that the tea was in support of. Uh, but it's not expected. It's not a, an expected part of the invitation. You really don't need to bring a hostess gift to an event like this either. A thank you note would be just right to send afterwards. Perfect. And enjoy the ladies' tea. Lizzie, I know you have strong feelings about uh, our next question, so I'm going to let you handle it. It goes (laughs) like this. How do you properly write on an invitation to a party at a restaurant that everyone has to pay for their own meal? Oh, I'm so glad you gave this one to me. (laughs) You don't. You don't do this. You do not write on an invitation, hey, you've got to pay your way. That's just not how it works. There is a big difference between hosting an event where you send an invitation where you invite someone to join you for something that you are going to take care of. That's one thing. Organizing an event where you want to uh, have everyone pay for their own meal or contribute or take care of their own is completely different, and you do not do that with very nice invitations. Um, It's really, really important that you never issue an invitation where you ask someone to pay their way. Instead, you call and you say that you're going to organize a dinner for so-and-so and and you want to gather some friends and do separate checks, or you may say, I've talked to the restaurant and they're going to do a limited menu for us and it'll be $25 a head. And then you take care of your own bar tab. But you organize it that way and you get people's buy-in that they would be okay with attending an event like this. You do not simply say, I'm inviting you to this, but you need to bring your checkbook. The reason why Dan tossed me this question is because I am 32 years old and I have a lot of dinners out with a lot of friends that wind up just being too obnoxious when it comes to everyone paying for I mean like birthday parties that are 20 people large at a restaurant and everyone's supposed to pay for their own plus divvy up the the celebrants you know meal amongst everybody and it just it gets so sloppy and so messy and the poor servers are having to deal with everything for a long time I didn't drink so I was always really ticked off to be paying a bar tab for everybody who did drink like and it's just it gets so gosh darn complex either host it and pay for it all or organize it and get people's buy-in so that they know what to expect. And talk with the restaurant. Restaurants have great ways of making this easier. Like we said, a prefixed menu, um, you know, or or they might be prepared for separate checks ahead of time. So they might set you up a certain way so that it's very easy for them to deal with it. But do a little investigative work first. And that's my advice. <laughs> And sound advice at that. I love this question. I don't know why. It just cracks me up. Is it rude when parents allow their small children to dominate adult conversation with constant interrupting? In other words, I find it impossible anymore to have a conversation over dinner or anywhere with our friends who have a three-year-old daughter. I'm just curious. Is it me or are these parents being rude? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Short answer, yes. It, it is rude. It's also circumstantial. Yeah. Um, there are times when the, that, that old expression, and I'm going to call it an old expression now, that children should be seen, not heard, just doesn't apply. <laughs> where a precocious child can be charming and can really be a part of a festive scene, even one that includes adults. And th- there are times and places for this. And I'm thinking of the 
holiday, the Thanksgiving that I was just at, where a big part of it were these adorable children running all around and they're playing with each other and the adults, they take a lot of attention from the group. (laughs) There are other times (laughs) when adults really want to be able to focus on each other and talk about something that might not be age appropriate for children or even just have a conversation as a level of complexity and sophistication that's impossible when you're operating at a four-year-old level. Or even just a level of attention. Like, good point. Just a level, just simply, it could be you're talking about benign things, but there's attention that needs to be paid. Continue. Sure. Okay. Uh, it's, it's why it's perfectly acceptable to decide to have a wedding where children aren't going to be there. Yes. And to. But I really like kids, by the way. I do not want this to come across like we don't like kids. Sorry. A- absolutely. <laughs> we just also really like the company of fully functioning adults. And it's nice to be able to carve out times and places where, where that's okay. Right. Um, oftentimes, sitting at the dinner table. Is a good time for that. And it's also setting up kids for success, not to invite them into situations where they're not going to be able to meet the expectations of adults. So this is a real consideration to children also to really make the times when it's adults only explicit and clear. And you do that when you do the inviting. So I would suggest setting up a time where you are going to see your friends, where you make it clear that you want it to be a time where you can focus on just them. And you make that invite and make it clear as part of the invite. And if that means saying it explicitly, go ahead and say it explicitly. You know, I I really enjoy the time I get to spend with your kids, but I'd love a chance to catch up with you about a few things also. Is there a a good time for us to arrange that or is there a way that we could organize that that works for you? Oh, see, I'd go even further and just straight up actually say I'd love to get together with you without the kids around. Like I think that's also I, just entirely just where reasonable. it's like yep. literally because because what you just said, even that even could still leave room for. Oh, yeah, I totally do. And oh, yeah, Brian will just play. And you're like, no, Brian never just plays. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Brian's you know brilliant I mean? and he likes to chip in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I do think it's really important to just say I love the time that we spend together and I'd love it if we could have an, an adults only, you know, get together. Or let's, you know, do lunch one time where where you're going to be kid free or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then make sure that you also hang out with them with the kids so they know it's not like you just never want to see their kid. There's some compromise here, yeah. but your desires are not unreasonable. So take confidence and definitely make that ask a clear ask. I like this one because it's it's holiday and tech. So it's both traditions and modern. With the holidays upon us, my family is spending a lot of time with my in-laws and lots of pictures are being taken by them. I have a policy of being very picky about how many and what types of pictures I post online and social media of my children, who are ages one and four. But my in-laws, some of whom do not share their posts on social media with me, seem to overshare, especially the pictures of the children. We don't have a great relationship, but I'd like them to cut back on their information overload. Is there a polite way to tell them that we're trying to protect our children's privacy and ask them not to post full names and maybe share pictures with me? first. Thanks for all the information that you share. Anonymous. Anonymous, that is such a reasonable request to make of someone that they not share pictures of your kids online and you should feel really comfortable doing it. As far as making that a polite request, I would say try to do it ahead of time so that you're addressing the issue before it comes up in a way that there's a real grievance that people feel bad about. It can take a lot of the emotion out of the situation if you talk about it ahead of time. It might be a quick mention right when you get to the party. If they're not somebody that you talk to all the time, just pull them aside early on and just say, you know, I've been really careful about pictures of my kids going up online. And before you post any pictures of my kids, I'd love it if you'd run them by me. I love that. I like the saying, could you run them by me first? Because I'm sure there are going to be a couple that, yeah, you might really like to post that that will be 
okay. They'll be in that category of, yeah, I would I would post it. So yes, I'll let you post it. But I like that you you ask for their buy-in of checking in with you first. Mm-hmm. And different parents have very different boundaries. They'll draw the line in, in in different places, and that's okay. So it's up to you as a parent to really make explicit where you're drawing the line with other parents when there's going to be some overlap. And just remember that making it explicit doesn't mean being hard about it. Mm-hmm. It can be done in a really gentle and you know uh, request-driven way. You know, I'd really love it if you. You could please do this. We're trying to maintain our children's privacy this way, and I'd love it if you could help us doing that. We really hope that helps, and uh, enjoy those holiday gatherings. Well, now, uh, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. I loved that. I loved that that was all questions. I, it was just so much fun to get to go and answer all those questions. Like Indeed. And, and, and some tough ones. I know. Some good ones. Some different ones. Some ones I've never answered before. Like, I love it. I, this truly is my favorite part of what we do. And I'm so glad we got to have an entire episode of just answering your questions. And remember that we love to hear from you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesome etiquette at emilypost.com and remember if you like what you hear you can subscribe on iTunes and if you really like what you hear we would love it if you would leave us a review we want to connect with you in any way that we can so we invite you to participate you can find us on Facebook we're the Emily Post Institute as well as on Twitter I am at Lizzie A. Post and I'm at Daniel underscore Post or you can visit our website emilypost.com Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. Awesome Etiquette is part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. Our next episode will be part of the Infinite Guest year-end extravaganza. All of our shows will share some of their best material and look back at 2014. Lizzie and I are going to pick out and highlight some of our favorite questions from the previous year. Learn more by following at Infinite Guest on Twitter.